I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my name is Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket Podcast. This week, Apple has announced the launch of not only an update to the MacBook Air, but two new iPad Pro models as well. The new iPads sport a range of new features and now come with an optional new accessory, the Magic Keyboard. Yep, unlike the smart keyboard we've had before, this one comes complete with a trackpad. Yes, you heard that right, a trackpad for an iPad for improved usability. Pocalint's Dan Grabham joins me to discuss the announcements. Meanwhile, back in what seems like forever, I caught up with Peter Verk, Jaguar Land Rover's Connected Car Director at CES in Las Vegas to talk about the new Land Rover Defender and why you'll need your car to not have one but two sims in it and what's the future of connected cars in general. And Pocalint's Rick Henderson has been playing Animal Crossing New Horizons on the Nintendo Switch and is here to give us his verdict. But first, Dan, let's start with you. Tell us more about the MacBook Air. So... The new MacBook Air is basically an improved version of the previous version. It's not necessarily a groundbreaking upgrade, um, but there's some there's some interesting aspects to it. Um, the first time it's got quad-core processors, they've moved on to the 10th generation Intel Core stuff that a lot of other ultra-portable laptops mm-hmm. have already done. So um, it's also got the new Magic Keyboard, which... Um, you know, is a vast improvement over la- the butterfly keyboard that was in the previous version. Now, this is the same keyboard that was introduced on the 16-inch MacBook Pro, which replaces the 15-inch from last year, wasn't it? So it's clearly that they're moving this quite quickly onto the keyboard, you know, this new keyboard out into different devices. Yeah, definitely. And the, the feedback so far has been that it's a lot better than the previous version. So that's sort of sorted that problem out. Um you know, the 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 MacBook Air is 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 obviously a, a very desirable machine. But the interesting thing is this time, I feel, is that it's actually going to be quite good for users who, by default, would have gone to buy a 13-inch MacBook Pro, um, because it's 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 got upgraded graphics as well as got Iris Pro, Iris Pro graphics. Um, so it's actually a, quite a bit more capable than the previous version. Um, in Apple, talking about an 80%. And graphics performance improvement now we always take those figures with a bit of a pinch of salt but even so it kind of demonstrates that the sort of direction that things are moving in and actually yeah for many users it will be plenty of power for them and i suppose that's the thing isn't it i mean apple have always said that the macbook air is their most popular um their most popular macbook it's obviously had a lot of increase i mean it seemed only six months ago that we got the retina screen on 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 the device do you think my feeling is on this is that by introducing this level as you say boosting it to almost be equivalent i know it hasn't got the scalability equivalent but the equivalent of a macbook pro 13 inch that this kind of says that we're going to see an upgrade to the macbook pro range next at some point in the year more likely to this 14 inch model that we've been talking about for a long time but now suddenly the analysts have been talking about as well yeah, definitely, and I think um, that will be quite a, 
quite a big upgrade for the 13 inch, which we're expecting to be a 14 inch instead, like the pattern we saw with the 15 inch moving to the 16 inch. Um, so yes, I, I'd imagine quite that that would be quite a performance improvement um, moving to temp generation core processes as well. So I think yeah, definitely that you know that it will move it on to the point where there isn't necessarily that kind of competition between the the, the, the two levels as such. Now, the, one of the big announcements this week is a new iPad Pro uh, available in 11 inch and 12.9 inch versions. Uh, the main gist of this story I can see is is the trackpad would you would you say that's the the big news and can you tell us a bit more about that it's coming to to more than just this iPad isn't it it's it's part of iPad OS 13.4 um trackpad support um and um Apple have, have launched a new keyboard with a with a trackpad and we've already heard that Logitech are doing one as well um so that so so it's it's taking the iPad Pro experience that we've seen um get more laptop like and, and moving it even further towards that direction. It obviously raises some huge questions for Apple's attitude to the iPad Pro versus the Mac. Um, and I don't know, you know, we don't but we don't really know where that's going still, even though we've been speculating about it for years. But I think it's a real it's a real sort of movement for the iPad Pro. It's 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 a significant upgrade, definitely. I mean I think it's interesting in that sense I'm I'm quite I mean I I Whenever I travel, and admittedly I'm not traveling much at the moment, whenever I travel, I kind of just take the iPad Pro with me as more of a as, as an on-the-go device. And, you know, there is an element of your typing. I use the keyboard, the smart keyboard that they've got at the moment. And, you know, you'd start typing and then you want to move something around and you obviously got to lift your finger off and start poking, you know, poking at the screen, which Apple a long time ago, I remember sitting in a in a in a presentation with with Steve Jobs and him saying, you know, this is stupid. You don't want to use you don't want to use touch screens on your on your laptop because that doesn't work. And then suddenly, you know, a number of years later, that's that's where we're at. But it does feel that this trackpad is is kind of trying to maximize people's use of of the iPad as a laptop device, almost to try and steal back some of that momentum that Microsoft Surface has, has got. So how do you think it compares to the Surface? Well, the Surface is obviously a really great device, and I, I do really like it, um, and the, the whole range, really. Um, and, you know, we've seen it on other devices like the Dell XPS 13 2 and 1. That actually, they, they can be real sort of do-anything devices because you can use them for uh, consumption creation and, and all the rest of it. And obviously, we've seen with the, the iPad Pro that um, Apple's wanted to move the iPad from a, a con cons consumption device where you consume media and whatever, to a, to a creative device and it's sort of that bringing that whole experience to, to the iPad Pro and and yeah you can basically use it to to do pretty much anything now um the i mean obviously as as we said earlier that that raises questions for the Mac and and you know long term and when you know where will will the two converge we've been talking about that for 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 donkey's years it feels like um but you know the the iPad Pro is a a, a serious a, a serious computer these days, um, yeah. And there's no you know there's absolutely apart from uh, extreme pro users you could pretty much get anything done on it. Um, and that's 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 going to raise some interesting questions. Um, uh, and certainly will take some uh, take some people away from Surface as we as we mentioned, and you know also high end Chromebooks as well. The people that have been thinking about buying those, I mean. There's, there's certainly a lot more potential with a trackpad, you know, just to have that flexibility. 
Yeah, I think I mean I think this is a, a much bigger game changer than we're kind of realizing at the moment. I know that seems overexcited and, and a bit, you know, fanboyish. And I also know that if you want to go Apple trackpad with the magic keyboard, it's three hundred and forty nine pounds or three hundred and forty nine dollars. So this is not going to be for everyone in the same way that, you know, the Apple pencil isn't for everyone. But there are certain elements of of the iPad that I've been using, you know, the the, the current pro version that I've been using over the you know, the last year where, you know, I love the pencil. I use it for signing things and, you know, just drawing notes and wireframes for the website design and, and stuff like that. And obviously I use the keyboard for being able to type and things like that. One of the things I've never really, really enjoyed trying to do on the iPad is if I have to do anything with a spreadsheet because you're kind of, you know, mm. you're, you're trying to move around cells and all the other stuff. If you've got a trackpad and you can move around cells a lot quicker, by you know because you're punching in data then i suspect that that will become a lot easier and I'm, I'm looking forward to that as i said i think there will be some level of uh barrier of entry i'm intrigued to see how it's going to work when it's you know if you need to sit it on your lap in the same way whether it's you know because it's, it's that it's got that floating design as they're calling it with all the magnets going on and all those bits and bobs um so i think that's really interesting i think you know but also what's what I think is interesting, that just seems to be one element of the story. That, as you say, they've improved the, the speed and spec, and so it'd be interesting. You know, I, I saw something floating around yesterday, I think it was from Apple, saying it was like twice the speed of, of the, the current version, which is, you know, should mean that things load faster. But I'm, I'm also intrigued to see what this LiDAR stuff is as, as, as well. And this is, this is trying to improve the AR, the augmented reality abilities of this by not only looking and using the camera, but firing out multiple uh, kind of lasers, invisible lasers, if you would, to see things. And that should give them better edge detection and better better scenarios. And some of the demos there were, were quite interesting. Do you, do you think the camera stuff is, is important on, on these things, Stan? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with this with with this particular device, I mean, obviously we talked about AR AR apps, and obviously AR Kit has been a big um, sort of something that Apple's talked about quite a bit over the last two or three years. Um, this is, you know, the, the iPad Pro is the device that that all those creators will use to to, to make those apps. So actually, um, you know, it's pretty, uh, it, you know, it's pretty important that it's. Uh, you know, it pushes the, the boundaries in that direction, I think. Um, and, you know, it, it, it certainly we've, we're, we've been through a situation where obviously our smartphones and, you know, obviously for Apple, it's the iPhone 11 Pro, um, you know, uh, is pushing the boundaries. But tablets haven't really gone that in that direction. And um, I, I think this is the start. I mean, we've, we, you know, we've seen tablet cameras improve, but not not to the extent that we have with phones. And I think this is the start of a process there as well that we'll see a lot better better cameras generally on iPads. If you're listening to this, you're thinking, okay, I've got an iPad. I've had it for quite some time. I haven't ventured into the pro stuff yet. Do you think this is, you know, something that is going to be appealing to some or is it, are we getting to that point where it's a bit like the MacBook Pro range where it's just, it becomes too pro for most people? I think that, I think it has been, yeah, they are, they are pushing the range upwards, if, if one of a better phrase. Um, but we've but we saw with with last year's iPad Air that actually that is you know that is basically a pro in in you know it's not not the equivalent of this pro but the last iPad Pro is basically the equivalent of um, so for for the huge majority of users that is a hugely capable de device 
but I, I, again if you want a little bit more experience if you want the, the you know the, 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 the keyboard attachment at the, with trackpad now you know this is this does offer this does offer more the the interesting thing i think with with the price point especially as you mentioned the the quite expensive uh, keyboard and trackpad attachment is if you're going out to buy an ipad pro with that with that keyboard you're actually spending as much you know as much as you would be on an on a macbook air um and or, or pretty much as Very much as more. you would if not more so um you know that and, and that does raise will raise quite a question you know because the macbook air is a hugely portable device so you know it, it's i guess it's another option for those, that that level of user really still to come rick gives us his verdict on Animal Crossing New Horizon. Every day, something new might happen or something new suddenly introduced to the island. If you play now and you're playing in spring, you'll have to wait until winter to see it all, all the snow and all the other effects. Jaguar Land Rover has completely updated and overhauled the iconic Land Rover Defender for the new century. As part of the overhaul, JLR has made the new car a technological marvel. Aside from being littered with both information and entertainment screen, the car features not one but two modems allowing you to stay connected as much as possible whether you're on or off-road. In January, I sat down with Peter Verk, Jaguar Land Rover's connected car director in the new Defender on the show floor at CES to find out more about what's changed and what's coming in the future and beyond. Okay, so we're here at CES. We're sitting in the brand new Land Rover Defender. Um, in the driver's seat, I'm looking down. There is lots and lots of screens and tech coming at me. That's very different from the original Defender. Sure. Where where do you start? What what's walk me through some of it at least? Sure thing. So I guess we've brought the Defender into the modern age uh, for our customers. So the first two screens you can see in front of you. Firstly is the driver TFT cluster, so that's basically a reconfigurable cluster where you can change some of the information on there, you can see the navigation map on there, you can have it see your album art, so all the information right in front of you. Um, but then the newest piece of technology that's come first in the Defender is the new infotainment platform which we call PV Pro. Right. And this is our next generation infotainment platform. And the vision we had for this when we first uh, started was a platform that was always on always updatable and always connected because that's what people expect now right we're, sure. we're in this digital age of smartphones and iot and why shouldn't the car be the same so we had that vision we worked with some partners to bring that to life and then we've managed to productionize uh, this platform in this, this wonderful new vehicle and one of the things that i guess we often think about is if you think about connectivity and, and mobile phones when you've got a phone it's you and it's one person when you're in a car you've got to think about the driver but also the passengers and because we've got streaming music, we've got location-based services, we've got a Wi-Fi hotspot, we've got to make sure we've got enough connectivity for everyone in the car. So we've actually put two modems, right. two LTE modems in this car with eSIMs. And is that because it's that you're worried that if you're using one to download the software that the other one then can't stream music or, or other things? Or is it, is, is it redundancy or is it, you know, travelling across, you know, like Land Rovers used to be the Camel Trophy and all that kind of, of stuff. So is it, is it 
about international travel or...? or? It's, it's a mixture of those things. So the first thing is making sure that you've got enough bandwidth because you've got to remember cars are always moving, right? You're going from one place to the next place. So making sure that you've got the best connectivity in all situations. There's one half of which we want to make sure that we give the, the occupants and our customers in the vehicles the best streaming experience. We don't want it to be interrupted. So let's focus the bandwidth on you to make sure that we've got the latest traffic, the latest music, and it's uninterrupted. So we'll pump all of that information ready for you. The other side of it is also making sure that the car's got everything it needs. So it's got the latest software over the air updates so we can update 16 modules around the vehicle. Um, we can actually also make sure we've got great um, connectivity for things like the SOS and the uh, equal um, and the breakdown call button if you get a flat tire or something. Okay. So, and that, when you press that, that will tell the, the call center who you are, where you're positioned so they can come and help you. Um, and that needs to be available as well. So it's making sure the two halves of the vehicle and obviously the passengers have got exactly what they need. And then the, the piece I mentioned is we put dual eSIMs inside the vehicle. So you, you okay. see that mobile phone technology yep. now, right? It's, it's all emerging, well, no different for us in our car. And two reasons for that. The first one is the eSIMs means that the customer doesn't have to worry about finding a SIM card and put it in and getting a data plan. We provide all of that for you. Just take that friction away. Um, but it also allows us to make sure that we get the best connectivity for the car with the providers wherever you drive. So making sure that you've got the best connection using the roof antenna, so it's better than a mobile phone inside the vehicle um, for both when you're on-road and right. maybe even for off-roading. And do you think that's a, a trend that we're going to be seeing across the next decade, is this idea that cars will automatically now just be as connected as our mobile phones uh, than, than they've ever been before? Yeah. So. I, th I think it's a foundation requirement. You know, uh, at Jaguar Land Rover, we have a you know direction where we're heading, and we look at autonomous, connected, electrified, and shared. And connectivity underpins that. You need to link all of these systems together. You know, in the future, people talk about cars connecting to one another, vehicle to vehicle, vehicle excellence. Connectivity comes in. Um, it's making sure that you've got something that's relevant today, but also a platform that we can build upon um, through software updates for the future as well. So yeah, it's it's a key requirement, uh, and it's making sure that you've got the right technology because these cars, as you know, will be but will be on the roads for many many years. Sure. And so one of the other things I'm looking around the cockpit at the moment, I noticed that uh, I'm looking at the rear view mirror. That's it's not a mirror, <laughs> so it's like a rear view TV screen almost. Yeah. And what's, it can flick to a mirror too. So it can flick to a mirror. So what's the, the thinking behind behind that? I know we've seen some cars already with this. It seems to be a, a trend that's going forward. Yeah. What, tell us more so, about that. So um, when, you know, we, we work, like to work really closely with our customers and understand, you know, what are their needs? And often when people use our cars, you've got a, you know, this vehicle here has got seven seats. You might have some tall occupants in there. And it's sometimes really difficult to see, um, you know, even if you've got big boxes and packages. Um, People want to see out the back of the vehicle. They want to see forwards and backwards. And when you've got a big box or a package you put in the car, it's sometimes hard to see. So the challenge was, how can we create that clarity? Well, quite simple. We've got cameras. We've had cameras on our cars for years. Let's provide one now to the mirror as well. So we can use the, the video feed from the uh, the camera at the top, which is in the shark fin, to project backwards. It helps great for parking. It had great, great for visibility on the highways and so forth. So again, listening to what our customers want and finding the best technology that matches their needs. It's also pretty cool at night, actually, so you don't get the glare and so on, too. And do you see that eventually translating into the, the wing mirrors as well, or do you think we'll always... I mean, if you take wing mirrors off cars, cars look very weird, yep. but do you, do you still see the need for the wing mirrors? So, 
Well, one of the one of the things you'll actually see inside this vehicle, and I'll, I'll come through in the demo at the moment, is you know when people want to park their vehicles, um, they want to make sure that they're clear of other things. And one of the things that we've done with the bird's eye view that we've had for many years is we've now got this view where actually it projects the cameras if you were standing outside the vehicle, so you can get like as if you know you were on the corner of the vehicle, seeing your car being reversed or parked in. So using the the processing power that we've got on the cameras to help aid, it's all about aiding the driver and making them feel comfortable. So, you know, we continue to assess these things and we will use the cameras and the technology and just blend it in. But it's not just tech for tech's sake. It's tech that's relevant for people who want to drive out, you know, drive our cars and also have a bit of fun as well. Now, some of the things I've experienced over the past with demos and prototypes from Land Rover, uh, uh, sort of assisted tech driving. And we're going to I think we're going to see that a lot more in, in different cars across the next decade and, and beyond. Are there anything that this car has that is kind of assisted. I remember doing a demo where you could see, almost see through the bonnet uh, and things like that. Does that, does this have those kind of functionalities yeah. as well? So, so we bring all of those functionalities together but again, and it's all about entertainment, driver assistant, giving you the best, uh, the, the visibility both on road and off road. So we bring all of our technologies together and you know package them nicely in the displays in the vehicles to give you what you want. So yeah, a lot of the technology we work on is making sure it's just balanced and right for you in the right context. Obviously, you talked about this as a start of a journey from a connected car perspective for Jaguar Land Rover and, 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 and the industry. Where do you see, if we were sitting here in five years' time, you know, 2025, where would you, what would we, what kind of things should we expect to see that are coming in the pipeline? They're not necessarily in, you know, in this this iteration of the car, but sure. the sort of cars to come. Okay, I was, I'd say, I guess the first thing is that in the tech space, five years is a very long time. And just to give you an example, even when we developed this platform, we did we wanted we had our vision and we wanted to do a proof of concept to make sure that we could actually do it. We did that in such a small um, time frame, six to nine months, to make sure it was working and in a drivable vehicle, and then obviously productionize it. Going forwards. Um, I think there's going to be an opportunity to bring in lots of different content information. There's a, there'll be voice, there'll be driver aid systems, you can see from the, the, the camera even here. But it's all about giving the customer what they want and when they need it. And the key thing is, rather than just thinking about the solutions now, it's making sure that we have a foundation platform that we can build upon it. So I can't say to you now, in five years we're going to have X, Y and Z. What I can say is we always invest and we use our engineers to build a good foundation layer so we can build on top of it. Hence the two modems, right? Connectivity right. needs for you today, we know are going to increase in 12 months, 24 and 36. So we've got to prepare for that. So having the foundation is there and then we can add stuff innovatively. Um, even uh, one of the apps that we've got inside this vehicle is parking payments. Right, okay. So um, we've worked with Ring and Go, so we're always working with partners. So in this vehicle, you, it knows exactly where it is. So if it knows where it is, you don't have to type in that location. You know that five right, or yep, six yep. digit number? It does that for you. It knows who you are because you've signed into it. Um, and on the back end, like you do most, you'll have your you know payment. Um, so with one or two clicks, you can actually link that. And the fact that you can link in your calendar too, it may be even be able to predict how long you're going to stay there for if you were to opt in to share that information. And these are the things that the innovative team back in the UK are starting to explore because we've got the um, uh, foundation platform to build upon. So in-house software development by our teams and collaboration with partners to bring that to life. And we can continue to keep on adding you know, some of these cool, unique features um, over the life and the platform of the vehicle. For all its Mario, Zelda, Pokemon and Kirby titles on the Nintendo Switch, one much-loved series has been absent since the console's birth, and now we know why. 
Nintendo has clearly taken its time over the first Animal Crossing for Switch outing to not only ensure that it will match the fanbase's expectations, but excel them. And Rick Henderson has been crafting his way through the game for the last couple of weeks to tell us whether it's a must-have title for your collection or whether it's one to avoid. So for those that are listening, uh, who perhaps have heard of Animal Crossing but aren't 100% aware of what it involves and what it entails, can you just give us a quick brief outline and then, let's face it, tell us whether this version is any good or not? Animal Crossing is perhaps one of the unsung first-party game franchises from Nintendo. It's a very gentle life simulator where you um, live on, a, in this case, an island with a bunch of cutesy animals and you have to basically just build up your house and build up the surroundings and build up their houses and eventually create a little town where you've got all these fantastic animals. It's been available previously on things like the 3DS, um, the Wii. That was a very, very popular version. Wow. Okay. But, um, but it lends itself perfectly to portable play because it's very much a, um, a dip in and out game. You can spend hours with it or you can just spend 10 minutes with it and still do something on a daily basis it's a beautiful wonderful experience and so what's what have they done here is it very much like having had animal crossing and as you said in, in other formats before uh, nintendo recently did the whole zelda Link's awakening where they bought that game back i think it was originally a game boy or snes wasn't it i think to to fit to the switch is it just cuter graphics or have they changed everything They've changed everything. They've really enhanced this. They've taken... It took a long while. You think that the Switch came out, what, three, four years ago, and uh, Animal Crossing has been planned ever since. Um, They've taken their sweet, sweet time over this game purely because they wanted to make it the best Animal Crossing ever, and they fully succeeded. If you've ever played an Animal Crossing game, you'll know that it's... You essentially, you just wander around and catch fish and pick up resources so that you can eventually trade them for money to buy items for your home. Um, But this one adds an enormous crafting engine on top of that. So not only can you buy items for your home, you can build them, even all the tools you use. Um, Everything on the island that you set, you're basically on a deserted island to begin with, but by the end of it, it's a full metropolis. but you, you know, everything on there you can actually pick up or chop down or and use to create something else. So it's a, they've put so much more into it without actually spoiling the core gameplay. It's still a very simple game, and what I love about it is that I actually really, really enjoy just spending say ten to twenty minutes a day on it. But it also equally my um, eight year old daughter love spending time with it and there's no real barrier to her getting into it as much as anybody else there's no real sort of like steep learning curve it teaches you all along the way how to do things it's it's so masterfully created it's typically nintendo now there's been quite a lot of uh, games like this online and 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 other places that we've seen you know from heyday and and clash of clans and all those kind of you know building kind of uh, games normally they encourage you to speed up the process by asking you to buy more credits or you know invest in gems and and suddenly out comes the in-app purchases and 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 all those things does when you say that you've got to buy things and upgrade and all the other stuff has nintendo led it towards that way where it's once you've bought it you've then got to spend even more money to complete the game or, or at least enjoy the game Absolutely not. All in-game currency is in-game currency. There's no in-app purchases whatsoever. 
Um, you once you get the game, everything's in there. Um, you use there are different currencies within the game that you earn pretty much by doing literally everything you, even if you just do a little bit of weeding outside your home you um you can then sell those weeds for money in in-game money which you can then use for something else it's a beautifully constructed ecosystem where nothing they're not asking any parent to spend a single penny other than the game itself um they and it is an extraordinary game in the fact that it will also last you for years i mean more than a year um, to actually see everything in the game it will take you more than an actual year because it's all run in real time every single day has a as the exact day and night cycle that you would have in real real time you get to choose wow. between the northern and southern hemisphere where to set your island to begin with and that is dependent on whether or not it has the same season pattern as your own location um, but then spring will last the exact time of spring Summer will last the exact time of summer. And every day, something new might happen or something new suddenly introduced to the island. Um, so if you wanted to play, if you play now and you're playing in spring, you'll have to wait until winter to see it all, all the snow and all the other effects. And because of all the, all the other things like um, the collectible bugs and the collectible fish, um, are scattered around. They only come out in seasonal timings. So wow. if you want, to, yeah. So if you want to catch a specific fish, you might have to wait until December this year, real life, to actually get it. <laughs> so it's it, it. There is a commitment to the game. Possibly that might be a bit too much for some. But believe you me, you don't have to play it for very long every day. And it really is very calming, very sweet, and there's nothing aggressive whatsoever, apart from the fact that you can craft yourself an axe and run around with it. And it does look a little sinister. <laughs> okay. So with all those positives, apart from the axe, is there anything that you should be aware of if you're about to enter this game or thinking of buying this game? Um, yeah, the big, the big thing um, specifically for families is that the game does not feature any cloud saves. Now, what this means is that if you buy it on one specific switch, then and start a game on that specific switch, everybody will be locked to the same map. And if you lost that switch or you or you, or, or, or um, uh, you had a corrupt save game, then you would have to either start again or go through quite a lengthy process with Nintendo to try and recover some of your progress. Mm. Um, it, yeah, and if you have, say, for example, two switches in the house, you have a switch light and a switch because you have children with their own versions, then they can't, um, they each have to have a totally different game running. You can't just save it on one and then pick it up on another. But the benefit of that, um, the sort of like the, the better part of that, is that the um, the you can actually visit each other's islands. So if you do have two kids and each one's got a switch light, and one's playing on, on their island, the other one's playing on their island, they can then just without even using the internet locally visit each other's islands and help each other out. And that's really sweet. Cool. And so overall, a thumbs up? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, the best game of the year by far. Well, that's it for this week's show. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. Until next time, pip pip. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.